Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 12, I believe, of the Goal Line Podcast. You know, every guest is special to me. Um, this this guest is extremely special. His name is Reed Meeker. So Reed is currently an assistant coach at Fairleigh Dickinson University in New Jersey. Uh, Florham, right, Florham? Yep, Florham. Yep, Florham. And um, so fun fact about Reed and I, our background, Reed and I met at Centenary. He was my captain for my freshman and sophomore year. Uh, also roommate. He was my roommate my sophomore year, and then we lived together after I graduated. So Reed and I have known each other for a very long time. So I'm very happy to have him on and share some of his experiences. Reed, what's going on, my man? Not too much. Thanks for having me, Jesse. It's good to talk yeah. to you and excited to uh, see your podcast and hopefully have it have it grow for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, just so you know, we don't really see podcasts. We, we more listen to them. But um, you know, we'll get going anyway. So, so read the the, fir- the first the hey, first question. <laughs> so, fun fact about Reed, guys. Reed actually is second all time in games played at Centenary. So, um, very long started and played in every game he could have played in for four straight years. So, Reed, what was your mentality coming in as a freshman and into a program that was, I would say, average? And so, where where was your mentality at? Was it like I'm starting no matter what, or did you, was it, I need to come in and work to earn my starting spot? Um, I always wanted to play as soon as possible, but growing up, it was always the case for me that everything had to be earned. So I knew that even if I was good enough, I might not get it right away um, with upperclassmen having experience and whatnot. Um, but I was, I wanted to play every single minute. And I'll never forget there was it was the first scrimmage and this doesn't go towards the record because it was a scrimmage, but I didn't start it. And uh, there was an upperclassman who I thought I was better than who got the start in my spot and he wasn't performing like the coaches wanted. And in the first half, uh, the end of the first half, coach put me in and that's the rest. I started it since then. So, you know, I got my opportunity very early and luckily I seized it. So, yeah. If- so you, so guys read, um, it was a center back, but you started as an outside back. Is that correct? Yeah. I was a center back all through high school. And when I came in to centenary, they were talking to me like I should probably be an outside back to start. So I was kind of learning a new position in a sense, but yeah, I did. I was right back for two years and then slid into the middle my junior and senior year. Yeah. So um, guys, for those of you, obviously you won't really know this, but Reed as a center back was not your tallest center back, but I will guarantee you that nobody was going to win a header over him. And just talking about, um, you know, his seizing the opportunity from day one, the moment he got in and that's the way he played, you know, for, two years I was lucky enough to to stand behind Reed a lot of the time and just watch how he played and dude like your tenacity and your just mindset that literally nobody was getting past you and you know you had your opportunity and you weren't gonna let anybody give it up you know it was just it was admirable but so you're named captain your junior year which which isn't uncommon in most programs but you know I think we typically tend to see seniors but what was your thought when you were being named well, I guess co-captain your junior year? Um, you know, the, the team was kind of 
we were average. We had a great group of freshmen coming in, if, if I must say so myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but Jesse was coming of, in that that year that he's talking about that great freshman class. So exactly, yeah, exactly. So, um, so what was your mentality going in? Like, I assume you were named the spring of your sophomore year. So, you know, what was your first thought being named co-captain? Um, so the the main captain has been a part of the team or an important part of the team for three years already. So I knew that they were kind of trying to groom me in a sense to see what they expected um, to be more involved with the coaches during the process. So I was meeting with them a lot more. Um, so I was just taking it as a learning experience as I try to do with most things, um, always trying to grow and improve. So I knew that it would be hard as an underclassman not an underclassman, but a junior trying to lead some seniors. So I was trying to learn as much as possible and influence as much as possible. So what are a couple of those things you learned, whether it be from just like yourself or from our current captain at the time or the coaches, what what were some of those things? Um, Getting involved with the coaches a lot more. It's interesting. That's when I really started seeing what they think about behind the scenes and what goes into everything in terms of, Man management, um, planning sessions, um, thoughts about players, and then working with another leader to kind of influence an entire team, seeing how the group dynamics among a team work. Even the best teams will say that, oh, there's no groups, but there most likely are. There's, you know, people get along with certain people better than others. Um, So being with a co captain who was older than me, who had, a closer relationship with certain people than I did, I was able to kind of start seeing how you could pull these different groups of people together, what worked, what didn't work, um, especially when it didn't work. Cause that's always obvious to people <laughs> when things don't work, right? Cause then you're losing games and things aren't going well. But um, I think that's probably the biggest thing learning about pulling in different age groups, different types of people. Um, we had different cultures on the team. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I think one thing that we did really well, or that you guys did really well as a team was just making sure everybody was involved, whether it be, you know, us all socializing on the weekends or what have you. But, you know, I do remember my freshman year just never feeling like I was isolated or I had to stay with the freshmen. So, you know, I think that sense of belonging within a team is very crucial and really understanding players and, you know, I think regardless, you're always going to have those clicks and those groups. But if you can, you know, minimize the times that they're hanging out separately when everyone can be together, I think that that builds for a strong team. So, um, so you co this is very interesting. So your junior year, you, so I guess we'll, we'll recap the season. So we, we finished eight, nine and one our first year. Yeah. Um, yeah, v- very average season lost in the quarterfinals of the, playoffs somehow we did make the playoffs that year though yeah Um, yeah it's an interesting season yeah so what what were your initial thoughts after the season like there's no hope with this team or what because I think like I don't even know what I was thinking I just know you know we had an average first year and you know what do we do now yeah well your class was very good so I knew that more time would just help us that much more Um, we needed pieces so there was not worry, but there was, if we were going to improve to the point where we were going to really compete for a championship, 
we would not only have to come together more as a team, but we did need some some pieces to be fill, filled in in terms of players. Um, so that was a little bit of a worry because the teams that we go against have uh, good teams top to bottom. And you know, it's interesting too, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, no, <laughs> that, 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 that spring season, mm-hmm. you know, we, I think we only had like nine or ten guys. I, we barely had enough for a full team to play in our spring game. Yeah, that you know so. that junior year, what we only had eighteen. Yeah, well, yeah cause you were guys. you were gone. Yeah, you were in you were in South Korea. Oh yeah, that that year alone, I think we we only had like two or three subs because people ended up getting hurt. But um, yeah, and then that following spring, you know, so this is really interesting because you're now. Sorry, I'm skipping. I'm skipping around, but you're in. Oh, yeah. You're on your foreign. Ex- you're in a foreign exchange student. You're your semester abroad. Your first year as captain alone. Yes, and we have ten guys and or eleven guys showing up in the in our yeah in our spring seasons. What did you kind of feel that you weren't fulfilling your responsibility, or was it just like okay, that's all right, I'm going to come back and we're going to do this thing? Like you know what what was your thought process throughout this semester where you really had the opportunity to to be that leader, but you weren't there? Yeah, no, it was. I really wanted to go abroad and I knew that there was some downside in terms of my leadership ability with the team, you know, having that direct impact. Um, so that worried me a lot, but I knew I've always taken the servant leadership type of role. So I knew that if I was doing what I needed to do while I was abroad, I was still playing four five, six times a week while I was abroad. Um, I was training, I was working out. And I was also emailing and keeping up with some of the upperclassmen, some of my, some of the teammates that have, that were in my grade, um, and really keeping tabs on guys, whether they knew it or not. Um, so I was able to bring back a lot of information about what was happening. And that really influenced how I went into eventually going into the fall decisions that I was going to have to make. You know, I had some, information about how the spring was playing out. So I wasn't able to handle it at the time, but I did have an idea about what was going on. A little worried that I couldn't make an impact and that I might not be able to change some things if something bad happened, but I was still preparing myself to to be the best leader that I could be coming fall time. Yeah, and you know like when you talk about that servant leadership thing, I think it just goes to show, I don't, I don't think anybody on the team either thought they should be captain or, you know, didn't believe in you because I think the way you played for, you know, at least what I saw for one year and then what most of the other guys saw for two or three years, you know, I think that right there kind of already built that trust in you as a person, as a leader. And and then I think, yeah, going to, going beyond that, I think it was the little things because I do remember getting emails from you. Uh, to the team, you even set up a, our, our indoor practices throughout the winter, like so nobody else had to do that, and you know all we had to do was show up. So, you know, I I don't think that, you know, you could have done anything more while you were gone, and I think that's also helped build a tr- uh, tremendous amount of respect and trust within the group. Um, so now we'll enter into your senior year. All right, and yeah, we're in two thousand, the fall of two thousand thirteen. Oh, what a year. So what a year, right? So we again we're we're finishing an eight, nine, and one season, finishing six in the conference, and if you know, which was maybe expected, but either way, what were your initial thoughts 
coming into that fall preseason? Well, I knew the those pieces that I was talking about before. There was some more pieces coming in that I was hearing over the summer, um, even all the way until move-in day. Uh, there was one player who we were trying to get in, and move-in day is when he finalized everything. And he ended up being an important part for us. Um, so with those pieces coming in, the guys we had returning, you know, your class was strong. I knew that we had the skill for sure. Um, and it was really all a matter of will, will we be able to put it together? Um, and to do that, something had to be different. And it's all these little things that if you're ever – you know, leadership role, or you're trying to be a manager of a group or something, you know, the little decisions you make and you think about, did they really have an impact? But the move-in day tradition at Centenary was everybody moved in and then that night we would go out and play. But what I had seen for three years was weak links would be identified and people would never be able to recover from that. So kind of like that first, that first perception, you know, yeah. that's, you know, split second you have when you first meet somebody, you know, you get, yeah, you get it. When I have perception. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, you get the wrong so continue, continue, Right. Yeah. So, and that, that ruins some, some people's season sometimes like, cause that first impression might've been bad. And then that whole season they were just down because that first day of just playing together, that was supposed to be fun. And, you know, us just coming together as a team ended up having a negative impact. So I was like, I don't know, let's not do it. Let's just be, let's just move in, relax and come out at 6 a.m. in the morning, bright and early, coming out together as one unit. So right away, the coaches are there, the team is there. Everything that is going forward, everything that we're doing is on one mission, not this not being influenced by our own little personal ideas from the night before. Um, but I think that that really did help some people. Yeah. I mean, and plus everyone is also going super hard for a little bit of a not an obnoxious reason because everybody wants to make that good first impression, like you said, which could lean into a hard tackle for, you know, like I said, no reason. And somebody gets injured or nicked up or whatever it may be, but you know, that, that decision, whether it be a small decision, you know, it can lead up to a big thing. And then the other thing that I really, really liked that you did was very early in the season. And we had a head coach who some people disagreed with a lot. Other people, you know, just listen, but there's a lot of, not a lot of, but there was controversy with the way he coached his coaching style. Yeah, And yeah. And so what you did, I remember you brought us all into the locker room very early and you said, look, you know, we're not necessarily here because of our coach. We're here for each other. And, you know, you just went on and you talked about things that you do for us. And, and I think that really brought the whole group together. And there was a, almost a sense of we're here to win and we don't really care what, you know, what the coach has to say to us. So what was that decision? Like, how did you feel or how did you know you need, we needed to all come together at some point in the locker room to have that meeting? Well, kind of like what I was saying before, you know, great teams everybody says like everybody's pushing in the same direction um and the head coach is leading that and the coaching staff is leading that so 
whether it's the right decision or not, if you don't give the, the coaching staff a chance as a player, you, it's never going to work out anyway. They could have the best ideas or the worst ideas. If they have the best ideas and the team isn't behind it, it's still going to fail. If they have the worst ideas and the team is behind it, then it's highlighted on the coach. So if we're going to do anything and we're going to do it well, you have to follow the coach's ideas, the philosophies, um, the style of play, because, you know, they're driving the ship. That's like the that's like somebody being at the wheel and then everybody else trying to turn the wheel a different direction. Well, we're not going to get to where we need to go. Let's see if we can just follow the captain and because they're the ones who believe and are supposed to have the knowledge to get us to where we need to go. Um, so I was hoping that that would just kind of stick like, Hey, it's, we all got to be together and we all got to push in the same direction. And if we all do that, we should be okay. And we should do well. Obviously I didn't know how well it would go, but. So let's talk about this year. So that first year, we we upset. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna do a humble brag. So we upset the humble number sixteenth ranked, <laughs> the sixteenth ranked team in the nation, um, for our first victory against the ranked yeah. team. Um, you know what? Did after that game, we won't talk about the the following game, the the day later. But <laughs> after that game, did you kind of think like we're onto something here, or were you like, ah, no, it's just a fluke because we did only have you know one or two shots on goal. No, I'm like you said, a top ranked opponent who always was going far in the national tournament and we show up in a classic soccer game where it's one team attacking, one team defending, and we nick that goal. Um we tried something different in the beginning and that just set us back so far. I don't know if you remember I I, I went to <laughs> I, <didn't remember> that. <laughs> I went to outside back that. and Yeah, so it didn't work out. Well it worked out in the end. Um but on the bus afterwards, I remember sitting in the back and I don't know what social media it was on, if it was Twitter or Facebook, but I put out a post and it was just uh, centenary men's soccer is here or something like that. Like, and I just put it, I just put it like on social media. I could probably go back and find it. And I said something like, you know, we're legit or, you know, we're coming because we just upset a nationally ranked team and, no, I knew right there that, you know, we had that that factor to go and win. Like, we can go and beat a nationally ranked opponent on day one. What was that factor? You know, we had the we had the playmakers that could do it. You know, the the guy who could score that amazing goal that we needed. You can uh, we, drop names. We, we can talk about Lucho. Lucho, for sure. I'll, I'll drop names all, all the time now and then. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we had, yeah. we had Lucho. Um, Lewis Marin, who, you know, is an X factor. You give him the ball and he could, he could beat four or five people, um, score. Best player, dude, be, be, skilled wise, best player I've ever played with. I mean, just so crafty and it was fun. He was phenomenal. crafty, strong. Um, you know, for any soccer people out there, he's kind of like, uh, like a Sergio Aguero type, like can't get him off the yeah, ball at for all. Sure, for sure. Um, you know, and everybody was working their, working their butts off. So we had a high work rate. Um, and I think that was the obvious part. You know, we were defensively strong. You know, they weren't attacking us in terms of possession, um, but we were limiting their opportunities. We had a decent goalkeeper named Jesse in net, <laughs> you know, making saves, commanding his box. So we had those. Cramping up in like the 60th minute. 
Yeah, yeah. I've never seen a goalkeeper cramp. Forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, but you were working so hard, so um, yeah, right, exactly. You know, we had those X factors: the people who could change games, and you know, the resilience in the back and in net to to win those big ones. And it was really eye opening. I remember sitting on the bus. I'm like, I have to put something out on social media, and I'm not big on social media either. But I just put it out there, and it was it was just a yeah. feeling. It was just no, a feeling. I remember, I remember being on the bus and um, getting an alert that the Pirates beat the Cardinals, and so like we were going to the playoffs. But um, <laughs> that was also exciting. But regardless, you know, the season wasn't always high. Like we mentioned, you know, we we beat the 16th ranked team, and then we continue on our out of conference play, and it was, I would say, very average like we you know we were barely beating teams remember we tied wesley like zero zero up two men and, yep. and you know so then we lose uh we lose a game nine to two i was out on a red card um yeah but right so so it's like you know where do we how what were you thinking going into conference season so we're like nine i guess eight or nine games in we beat the 16th ranked team in the nation and then we're struggling to put it together in the following seven or eight games, what was your mentality or what were you thinking and kind of, how are you going to get us to, you know, enter into conference play with a win? Well, we had the, we had the base, we had the basis of it. And especially in the college season, it's quick. Um, and getting the attacking game going is very difficult because that's, you know, you're trying to make connections between different people. A lot of our key players were new that year. Um, like Saba, like Lucho, um, mm-hmm. Lucho's brother Mike com- coming back. So we had a lot of good pieces attacking wise that were new, and you got to make those connections. So I was always hoping that that would come through. Um, we didn't score a lot overall, but I was hoping that that's really what we needed. That was the missing piece. But we had that defensive strength, that goalkeeper. You know, we could win. We could win games and we could go far, and, you know. We and that's that's the reality. And our goal differential wasn't amazing, but it was a positive goal differential. Um, we were winning games by one, two goals maybe, um, but we weren't letting up goals. So I always knew we had a chance and was confident, confident in my ability to lead from the back and kind of push forward from there. So I was really just hoping that the the flip side, the attacking side, would come along. Yeah, no, for sure. So we were definitely a defensive-minded team. Um, guys, for, for the record, Reed was part of the back line that broke the school rec- that helped break the school record in shutouts for a single season, consecutive goalless minutes, um, had like the lowest shot total in forever. But um, yeah, that during, year. During, yeah, guys, to put it into perspective, when Reed was a senior, I think I had to make like 80 some saves, whereas every other year I was making over 110. So that just puts into perspective the the tenacity and the the way Reed led. Um, but beyond that, Reed, like, did you ever feel it was your fault or your problem? Let's say, like before conference season when we were mm. when we were struggling to put things together, did did that ever you know occur to you? Like maybe this is my fault. I'm not doing something right. Yeah, and just as the person I am, but any leader should really be thinking like, okay, if something's not going right, what do I need to change or am I doing something wrong? So I was always thinking about how to get things moving in the right direction. 
Um, I go back to specifically with our team, that whole group dynamic. Um, there was, there was a lot of different groups, different ages, um, new players, old players in terms of years at Centenary, um, cultures, we had a lot of different cultures on the team. So I kept thinking about, okay, how can we get all these people together on the same page, pushing in the same direction? Um, one of my best friends, Tex, I know he'll love the shout out if he listens. Um, you know, Tex is Hispanic and we had a lot of Hispanic players on the team. Um, Tex was close with me. He trusted me and I put a lot of faith in him to go and pull in all the the kids from the Hispanic culture because they saw things differently. But because they followed him and he followed me, I was able to pull in those guys or I was able to have an influence on those guys where they might not have looked at me the same way because of how I thought or how I played or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, hold on. Let me interrupt yeah. real quick because I think this is a very important leadership lesson in that the communication of everything and like that top-down command was so good between you guys because, you know, we know our Hispanic culture on the team, we had about like eight or nine guys that were all from an a Hispanic background, we know they didn't, you know, we know they didn't believe necessarily in what O'Connor was telling them, right? Mm -hmm. But they believed in the way things were said from you in terms from text down to them. So it's like, you know, that communicate, you were so, you're so smart in finding those, you know, other leaders, we can call them managers, if we're we're talking from like a business perspective, um, to, you know, lead their subordinates and in turn help lead the team. So, um, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but if you remember where yeah. you're at, continue. No, go for, um, yeah, and I'm taking leadership classes right now. And the, the word that I see a lot are stakeholders, you know, who's, who's invested in your goal and you need to, you need them to be on your side and you have to be able to reach your stakeholders. So if you don't have a direct impact, is there somebody else? Is there an influencer who can go in and reach out to those people? And it, it wasn't, it wasn't all me. I already mentioned text. My other good friend, Nick Telly, you know, he had a reach into other people, even to guys who were on the end of the bench that still popped around and they had influences in different groups that I wasn't necessarily close with, or they were closer than I was. And just communicating through them and reaching all the different parts, not directly, but indirectly. So it's not always, you know, touching every single person or, you know, making an impact on each person, but using the other leaders, there's other leaders in the team or organization or group, and you can take advantage of that. So I think that was massively helpful throughout the entire year. Right. So I, I, yeah, I think you're very good at recognizing where people stand and with whom they hang out with and how they are like your, your emotional intelligence is very good. And, you know, I think just being a leader, they need to be emotionally intelligent to understand people and understand what makes them tick, what motivates them. But, you know, like we mentioned before, we had a lot of cultures, we had a lot of personalities, we had different egos. So how do you, and this is something you did extremely well. And it's something that I think affects so many teams. And that's just the the battles that are like the the dislikes that people have 
for each other on the team. Now, how did you, because I mean, we had that, what, you know, the, our team, while we were close, we still had people that didn't like each other. And so what, what were you so, you know, how did you manage those relationships? I think I was, I'm always a lead by example. I'm not very vocal. So it's kind of funny that I'm talking about this now, but <laughs> I'd rather show it than, than say it. So at times I think people noticed that I might not have always been a fan of a certain player or how they play or how they act, but I always just moved on or I handled it and then it was done. That was a big thing for me. You know, things carry on. Always just when I did say something, I'd step in, say, all right, guys, it's done. Let's move on. You know, we're, we're thinking about the team, not you guys, and just cut it. And then also saying after practice, you guys don't have to hang out all the time. You don't have to be buddy-buddy. You don't have to, you know, be texting each other all the time. But when you're on this field, when you're on – and this might have been the only time where I got, like, really demanding when you're on my field – you know, we're all together. And I, I tried to make that known. And I think people, again, I think people saw if I was upset with somebody, you know, I'd go in for a, a hard tackle or something, but I would do it once and then it was done. Or, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, wouldn't, right, like, right. I wouldn't ride somebody for an entire season, even before yeah, you, I was a captain. Like, you know, if you're not holding grudges. Yeah. You, you know, you, you stick them, you tell them to sit down and don't do it again. And then, you know, they, and you hope they learn. Um, you know, and so I think you also bring up a, an important point. Like, it's just about the team. Like, you know, when you're when you want to make it so known that you don't like somebody, that affects the team culture and the team environment so much because then it, it like also gives you know your teammates a reason to kind of instigate things. And you know, every eighteen to twenty two year old wants to instigate a battle between guys. And you know that happened with us, and we think it's funny, but you know, at the end of the day, I think it caused a lot of problems and a lot of know bad team culture and so you know i think just making them understand that when you come on the field you get you know you guys don't have to like each other that's fine you just have to play for the team and when you step off the field like you said you know you guys don't need to hang out you know i'm sure a lot of guys that don't like each other aren't living together so it's like you know keep your distance there and then just come on the field and put everything aside and i think that can be hard for some people to understand but once you do it it just it's obviously just better for the team but anyway, so now let's let's talk. Let's get back into our season and relive right. the glory days. The glory days. So we're so we lose that we lose that first conference game on a yep. penalty. Telly Telly fouled that dude in the box and buried it bottom right. I just missed it. Um, Should have had it. Right. So so now that that again, that's another loss, right? And so now you know we lose nine to two. Where our morale is probably so low. Um, I forget who we played that following game. But it was like, did you start to lose hope after that game? You know, we were right there against a very quality opponent who was consistently in the championship, you know, but never won. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mary was. Like, did you? Did, yeah, did you start to lose hope at any point? No, no. It's I've always been. You have to show up, do your job, and things will happen as they happen. Um, the improvement from that nine-two defeat was good, and like you said, it was. Marywood was always in the finals, a good team, a strong team. Uh, they had a lot of seniors that year. 
that had been playing together for a long time. So it was a good performance, relatively speaking, in terms of the result. You know, we, it wasn't what we wanted, but no, I I knew that we had what we needed to beat the teams that we had to beat. And it was always going to be close with us. It was always a one-goal game normally. And sometimes we were going to be on the losing end. But I knew we had what we needed. And we just had to keep going. What were O'Connor and Josh saying after this? What what, what were there as a oh, coach, from that coaching standpoint? What were they most concerned with? That's interesting. I can only imagine what O'Connor was, was saying. But Josh, Josh being the more optimistic one, I'm sure at least had a positive outlook. But yeah. you know, do you remember what their mindset was after all this? Were, like, were they losing hope? Because I feel like O'Connor might have been the one to lo- start losing some hope. No, I, I don't think they were losing hope. But you know, they were always they're always asking us to reach to that that certain standard as well. And I think that was a big thing. You know, it it wasn't so, good, so it wasn't what, good what was enough. Their, what was their standard though? Because in the past five, four, or I guess, let's say three years, you know, it's just playoffs, barely making the playoffs, missing playoffs. Like, what was their standard at that point? And then going into the season, like, we're just an average team at this point. You know, what was their standard they expected from us? In my four years there, the standard was always high. Like, yeah, we were finishing in the same spot, but they were always pushing for, you know, playing a certain way, always playing to win. Um we got more possession based as my four years went on. So if we weren't keeping the ball, if it wasn't good enough, you know, they were letting us know whether we won or not. And I think whether the team was good or average, they were still pushing the same message of how they wanted to play and the effort, the intensity and the philosophy that I think went by, I think that passed a lot of people by, or they didn't really recognize it. They weren't just like, saying, oh, guys, we have to win, they were saying the same things over and over and over again. The results weren't happening because I think, you know, you can go to talent, personnel, leadership from players. But for the four years I was there, they were always pushing the same message. And it was the same that year. They were asking us to play a certain way, put in a certain effort, and to be proud of what we put out there at the end of every match. And every time we lost, everybody's more upset, of course. But I think they knew that we could beat a lot of the teams in our conference. And we had the players to beat the, you know, the teams that were powerhouses over the past few years. So they just kept pushing the, their beliefs. They weren't happy, of course, but I don't think they ever lost hope. And I don't think there was really hope to lose because, like you said, we were average for so long. So right. we were, Yeah, they know, were predicted to finish like tied for sixth that year in the conference. Yeah. Yeah, like it was always get to the first, maybe the second round of the playoffs. And so there wasn't really expectation. I don't, I don't think anybody had – nobody, I would say nobody going in had the idea that we should be in the, in the finals, let alone win. Right. Yeah, you know – it's interesting just how the the course of the year played out. And so if we advance past this Marywood game, we start to win a couple of games. I forget who we played, you know, in the next couple of games or whatever, what have you, but mm-hmm. you know, we beat Cabrini at home, which was ginormous. Huge. Um, big rivals. And 
Yeah, and then we beat Newman for the first time in program history. And was it at that point, I guess, when we're like four and five and one with maybe a few games left in the conference season, we're like, did you start to think we could do this? I, I really don't remember what, what my mentality was going through all of this. Um, you know, I just remember like we were winning, we were getting hot at the right time. And I just remember being like, okay, you know, I never really thought of the championship. I was kind of, I think I was just taking it day by day, but I was enjoying the process of everything. You know, what, what were you thinking? Were you like, we could do this? Yeah, hundred percent. Because then as that conference season was going, we were talking about winning a bye for the playoffs. Right. And, you know, not just getting in, getting a bye for the playoffs. And then having a home seed and we'd already beat the other best besides Marywood, we had beat the other top teams. So yeah, it was all projection. Like, okay, so we beat two out of the three top teams and we're looking at a buy in the first round that sets us up health wise. You know, we get some more rest, like all those pieces were kind of starting to fall into place and yeah, no, it was kind of exciting. Like every game was okay. If we keep winning, like, we're getting closer and closer and all the things that should happen, we should be getting to the finals. When we were four and one, five and one, yeah, we should be getting to the finals and we should be winning. What responsibilities did you have? Did you feel you had during, as a captain during this year, like in terms of whether it be working on, on the field, on the field, you know, what responsibilities did you feel raised were raised during all this? I, like I said, servant leadership. Um, we started 6 a.m. practices that year. So guys who needed to get in and get treatment from our athletic trainers or to get ready for practice, you know, I was opening the locker room between 4 and 4.30 in the morning, every morning. Um, you know, It was up to me to make sure that we had everything ready for practices, um, all the balls getting out, everything getting cleaned up making sure that guys were happy, guys were healthy, guys who weren't healthy were doing what they had to do. Like every everything that was happening and every individual, I felt I had to do what I could to help them as a leader. Like I was there to serve them and I had to do whatever I had to do for each person, whether it was talking to them or helping them in training for, with technique or whatever it may be. Just had to right. do everything that I could because that's yeah, the, and that, the role. Yeah. And that, I think that's something that I see a lot. The captains kind of get away from, and that is they're given that captain status, but they think that's just leading on the field. Whereas you took it, you know, you did everything that a captain should do and, leading off the field. And I think leading off the field is more important, honestly, just because the game is so mental and just, it can be so draining. And, you know, if you're not happy about something, whether it be grades, girls, food, whatever, you know, whatever it may be, you know, you were there for that person. And I think a lot of captains just get sidetracked into thinking I need to be a vocal leader on the field. But, you know, that's what I thought was so inspirational about you is that you were able to do everything off the field and kind of take it to a whole new level and of leadership that, you know, that was really my first example of leadership and thanks for setting a good one. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> but, um, man. You're welcome. You're welcome. So 
we finished this conference season what either eight and one, nine and one, whatever it may be. Uh, we have, you know, we set the school's longest win streak in program history. I mean, we're setting, we're breaking through the record book as a team. And it's so much fun. And we get that bye. We finished second in the conference. We get a bye. And, you know, that, I remember we were watching the Cabrini Keystone game that, whatever, I guess, Tuesday night it was. Yeah. Um, what, after Tuesday night, when we saw Cabrini won, what, what were you thinking going into that Wednesday's practice? Cabrini was always, for my four years there, was always a tough game. They're always good. They always beat us. Uh, physical, you know, everything you want out of a good soccer game, it, it always had. Um, but we never really, we didn't beat them that often. So we had beat them already. I was more confident because we had beat them, and I didn't think they were as good as they normally were. You know, I, I thought we had the ability for sure and that we could beat them. Yeah. Um, do you remember what the team's mentality was like? I like, Again, I'm, I'm relying on you to kind yeah. of remember the ins and outs. Like, what was Wednesday's practice? I mean, we had a very superstitious coaching staff, so I wasn't about to ask what Wednesday's practice was like, but I but I know what it was like. Yeah, exactly. Because um, we, we did the same. We ended up same doing the same thing. thing. But did you kind of – did you sense a little bit of nervousness Wednesday night leading into Thursday night when we played? For sure. Well, it, it started with training for me and I think the team when at the end of that, that training before, you know, we always did PKs and it's playoff time. So if there's a tie at the end, we're going to kicks from the spot. And when we were getting closer to PKs, I knew that the coaches had been talking about how to do the PKs for the day, like setting up teams or, you know, picking who they thought were like the top 10 and then kind of putting them against each other in a PK shootout. Um, so that's really when nerves for me were getting a little higher. And then once we did those PKs, cause we did do like a competition, it was a little bit more intense until it got started. And then people were just kind of having fun, having fun trying to beat the other team. Um, but everybody was kind of getting like, all right, like this is, this is something that's serious. Like if we need to do this, it's going to be intense and it's going to be an intense game anyway, because they're a tough opponent, but that's really when it started for me. And were you I, nervous? Oh, hundred percent. I'm nervous all the time. So, so how, like, how did you, cause obviously nobody would have been able to know that you were nervous. So what are some things that you do as a leader to help calm maybe some of the freshmen that were nervous? I mean, we had, we had a handful of sophomores, including myself starting, um, you know, what were some of the things that you did to try to keep a calm locker room? I always just tried to be myself and do everything that I normally do. I'm like, I, like I said before, I'm not a rah-rah type of person. I'm not going to give a big, amazing pregame speech. I'm just going to go do what I need to do and do it calmly. I think when you're a servant leader trying to act by example, lead by example, you have to show what you want. So hopefully, and I think I was, I was calm and deliberate in all of my actions. I, you know, told, told everybody that, you know, I'm just going to go and sit in my room for the rest of the night until the next day. And, you know, game day was the same. Like I got ready. I was focused. Um, 
you know, focused on warm workout. Got my pre-workout in, as everybody knew. <laughs> um, be careful, because now I guess I'm safe now. But um, yeah, I got my pre-workout in, and we didn't we didn't say how much. Not how much. Um, and then uh, really, I was hoping that I'd ha- I'd be able to impact the game early on, whether it be with a pass or a tackle, something that I could stamp on the game early on because again that's how I I led by example so I was hoping that I could get an example out there early on to kind of calm people down whether it was stopping an attack or just making an easy pass or whatever it may be and it yeah, was not, it dude, was not a calm man. game it was not it a was calm not game. a calm game you know we we go ahead early yep. not early but about halfway through the first half and, and, you know, I thought it was it was a pretty evenly matched game throughout then. You know, Sean hits a cross that's missed hit and goes in up top bins, and it's his greatest goal of his career. And, you know, we go up one nothing, and then we take that lead into the half. You're at halftime. What are you thinking? This is tough. Um, <laughs> it's a tough match because they were getting attacks in. We, we were as well, but I was nervous nervous because they were good and like I said they're getting their attacks in and we didn't score a lot all year we didn't let up goals either but we didn't score a lot so I knew like it was gonna have to be a real clean second half if we were gonna do anything um but yeah so so just, yeah we'll, we'll fast forward so they mm-hmm. they tie it up dude was off sides by about a step I think about a step um yeah it's unlucky it's an unlucky goal but then the goalkeeper, our goalkeeper, made a terrible mistake um, on their second goal, which was which with like like under ten minutes. It was getting late. Yeah. You know, maybe about like sixteen, seventeen left. There was time, but it was getting late. Yep. What you know, as a leader, what do you do now um, after you're seeing you know your goalkeeper probably make a save that he should have made? Um, but either way, like. You know, coming from a team, it, it's right there. And then it almost felt like it was just taken away from us at that time. You know, how did you get our guys back to being confident? Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously uh, knocked me down a few pegs for sure. But, you know, you kind of keep your head up, look around, see what the body language is like. Make sure that ball gets to the, the midfield line as quick as possible so that we can start the game up as soon as possible. And again, just kind of lead by example. Like once the kickoff goes, you know, we're back to what we normally have to do. Um, I did communicate a lot on the field. Off the field, I was not much of a talker, like I said. But on the field, I tried to make sure I was still shouting out all the same things that I normally would, pushing people the same. Um, And I'll go back to the other leaders on the team like that were also – pushing people as well, whether they were feeding off of me staying the same or them just being great leaders, which they were, we had that as part of the team. Uh, but once we kicked off again, there was urgency. There, people didn't put their heads down. They knew we didn't have a lot of time, but we had enough time. So I think just keeping things how they were or like how we normally do helps. Yeah, and you know, you know, I, I think, too, what helped that was just the resiliency that was built throughout the year 
and playing in all these close games, you know, it forced that, you know, I don't think anybody like, I think, like you said, they knocked us down, but I still would like to think that nobody thought we were out of the game and that we were still going to come back and tie it up. But I think, you know, before that, it was just the environment that was set from the, from the beginning of just being able to battle back consistently as a group, not just like one or two guys giving it their all, like everybody gave it their all the whole season. And, you know, I think that ended up just helping us a little bit more. And, you know, we end up Lucho (laughs) as he does pretty, (laughs) pretty well. Lucho has scored the nastiest goals in centenary history, like goals. I don't understand how they haven't made sports center top 10 because they are so nasty. I mean, he hits this one from like (laughs) 30 yards out. Um, just puts it right over the goalkeeper, dips over down the right over the crossbar. That sweet um, left foot. Yeah, we tied, and he had no business taking the shot like he always does. Um, no, he went. You like, know, he went across the field, and dribbled, back, and then yeah, it was bouncing, and then just hit it out of nowhere. Yeah, and that it all started with the save, but that's besides the point. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so we tied so up. Um, going to overtime, no really threatening chances in overtime. You know, you know what's funny is that, like, as overtime came, yeah. I was kind of just hoping for a penalty shootout. Like, I, lo- I love penalties. So I, I was thinking, I was like, this is going uh, to the penalties. Let's get I can't wait. Well, Dude, and they had, like, they had some chances, too, so there were some nervy moments for us on the defensive end. And like, at, the end the, at the end of the game, too. Oh, to, to go up two goals. Yeah, but they, hit, they hit the post, right? Oh, I don't remember. I think they hit the post. <laughs> I, bl- I blacked out. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember that. Good thing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you're a leader. We're going to. So now we go into pens, yeah. and you're a leader. What are you telling the guys who are at least going up to shoot? We don't have to talk about what Bonilla said. <laughs> um, just do do what you normally do in pens. We took them the day before every match for a reason. You know, it, and that's a penalty, and you're taking them for a reason. Other than that, like I, like I've been saying, I don't say much. You know, because guys know how they take there's pens. Not much to say. No, there's not much to say. Go and take your pens how you would. Um, make sure we're all got our arms wrapped around each other at midfield line, being together. That image, you know, seems kind of silly, but you know, kind of showing that unified image for the guys that are walking out and then walking back and just see how it goes as nervous as all could be, but yeah. Um, did you think we were going to lose when, when Lucho and Mike missed their pens and they, you know, we go up two nil, they come back, we missed two. Did you think we were going to lose when they kept going, when, when Glenn stepped up? Cause I was a little nervous. Glenn was stepping up, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, always in the back of my mind, I'm thinking he's going to make it. But when Glenn, when like Glenn and Telly walked up, I got a little nervous. Nervous for sure. Because Mike and Lucho are great players and great finishers and took great penalties. You know, they had the style to go behind it. They had confidence as well. They always had confidence. And I believe that that's something you need for a pen. But yeah, of course I was nervous and, you know, seeing the other team cheering, seeing the breed cheer every time, and you know, it kind you, of you know what sealed yeah. you know what sealed it for me when I when I knew we were gonna win was when when Glenn when Telly well, Telly buried his, but when Glenn made his, I was like, all right, all right. Th- like we're gonna win now. And then yeah. you know, I think after that, I made the same text hits the goal and we win. Yep. Um, 
which was just absolutely wild. So now we're we're in our first conference championship in school history. That's right. And and again, you're a leader. Like this is all kind of unprecedented territory territory for everybody as a program, of course. But you know, where who did you did you look to anybody else to help lead you, or was it like this is my game, like my time? You know, where did you feel that you had to step up at? I, I don't think I really looked towards anybody else. I knew that, again, we had guys on our team. We had leaders on our team that I could rely on. And it just kept doing what, what I do. That's how I always was. We had, again, we had the playmakers. We had the unit. And really just kept going, kept doing what we were doing. And that was kind of the the theme. I was trying to make sure guys were calm with my actions, made sure training was good, um, but didn't do anything crazy, didn't do anything different. Um, I didn't change up anything for the for the playoffs or the championship match. I might have said a few things in the pregame, but other than that, no, just kind of try and keep things consistent because we were all pushing in the same direction. We're riding the high. So it was kind of just trying to support that. Yeah. So we we ended up winning first conference championship in program history. That's right. After that, you know, we're, we're not going to talk about our first round NCAA tournament. Okay. Um, that's the size of the point. That's the size of the point. Yeah. You know, because I think the ultimate goal, obviously, was just to win the conference championship. And so once we win and you, we sit back for like a, a day or two, you know, where did you feel like, did you ever feel like, not I'm the reason, but did you, did you get the chance to look back and be like, this is what I did really well. And, you know, we could pinpoint these as some of the, re- some of the reasons that the team came together and that we won. Yeah, definitely. I was always analyzing my own decisions and, how the team acted and I think you can't really within a team you can't really say as a leader like okay I did this and it helped um because a lot of it's kind of just situational there's not like hard hard facts like oh I made 100 decisions and 90 of them were good decisions um but all the things that we've kind of been saying were like you know, me trying to be a servant leader, lead by example, um, the other leaders on the team that I was able to work with and use to bring the team together, you know, get all the stakeholders, all the people pushing in one direction. Um, were, that was probably the biggest thing overall. Um, I was able to have an impact on other leaders and they trusted me, which is an amazing feeling when you can actually see it work out, um, you feel really proud and it's also humbling because these people are looking up, not looking up to you, but trusting you and following you. And that's a powerful thing. So I think that was biggest in terms of the impact that I had. I was able to have that on so many different types of people as opposed to other years where that might not have been the case. Especially even when even my junior year, I wasn't able to have as much as a, of a reach into the different types of groups 
Um, and I'll always go back to that, the other leaders that I had working with me and for the team. Yeah. And, you know, I think just having been with the program for seven years, I don't think the program has yet to have somebody lead like yourself. And, you know, I, I can even speak just from a coaching perspective there. It's like, we are, we're always trying to find somebody, you know, I, I think it's unfair to compare people at some times, but yeah, you know, I sure. think every time somebody puts on the armband, they get compared to the highest standard in, or the highest standard of excellence. And that was you. And so, oh, you know, you. for those, you're welcome for those listening. It's like the, the things that Reed did that were so, that made him so great and that helped make the team so great were all things that he did by his actions over his words. And I think when, when we're talking about leadership, we need to focus more on our actions, you know, and getting people to trust you based on your actions, not based on things you're going to say. And it's something that I've consistently tried to do myself. But so Reed, now you enter the college coaching realm at FDU. And so just based on your playing experience, what are some things or some values you, you want these kids to understand about how you coach and about like, what do you want them to learn after four years of being with you? So as a coach, it's a lot harder to lead by example on the field. Right. So trying to highlight those players who kind of exemplify what a coach is trying to put across um, has been a very interesting task so far, but really the idea of that team unity and what can happen if you all come together and it's such a powerful thing, it's a hard thing to do, but I want them to kind of have that true team experience, not the, oh, I'm coming to play with some guys or I'm coming to play with these guys or I like playing with this group rather than that group, like showing up to practice and realizing that it's all one unit, all pushing in the same direction. Um, and you can not be friends off the field, but once you're at, on that training field or on that game field, that being unified is a really cool experience, whether you like somebody or not. And to see them grow in that aspect as well, because there's so many skills, not only in sports, but outside of sports, where if they can apply or learn it in sports, can raise their career, their families, um, their academics while they're in school. So just kind of getting them that extra experience that isn't always obvious at the college level because not many, not many players are put through leadership training or have a a clear leader like that. So trying to be that or make that as a coach is really important to me. So what what were some of the challenges you faced in your first year? Um, just being a new coaching staff, new program, I get, no, not new program, program that's been around, but new yeah. program for you. Um, what were some of the challenges you faced? Getting our, well, we got our philosophy across, but changing the mindsets and changing the What, what is habits. that philosophy that you guys want to instill? Um, in terms of playing, uh, high work rate defensively, ball possession in the attack, um, in terms of teamwork, uh, 
teamwork, drive, effort, team first mentality, of course. Um, let's see, what else did we try and get across that was different? Um, what it's going to take off the field. We have a lot more push on academics than what I think the our players were used to in the past. And really showing them that this is, we are a lot more creating a better image on campus. Whether it was good or not before, I don't know, but, you know, trying just improving the image overall. So what, what are some of the, the strategies, I guess, or tactics that you might use to help build that team unity that, you know, that we, we essentially discussed this whole podcast? Because and, and I know it's harder as a coach because mm-hmm. team unity has to be done, I think, by players themselves. You know, like it, it can't continuously come from the coach. So what are what are some of the ways that maybe you encourage the captains or your or your leaders to try to do things to build that team unity? As soon as I was on campus for the first time, I was in touch with the captain and our captain as well as some leaders. And I immediately went to him and I tried to use the same tactic that I did when I was a player. And I asked him, okay, you're a captain. He is a very good leader. And he had those, those traits, but I said to him, okay, who are the other leaders on the team and who are the other guys on the team that can help you reach every single player? Because I know, he didn't have a reach to every single player just like I didn't. So right away I was texting him all the time after every practice saying, Hey, this is just what I was thinking. I never pushed him to do anything, but I was just giving him my thoughts, my analysis. Like if I was playing or if I was part of like a practice session, what I saw, how guys reacted to things, how I would handle it, um, how I would get certain guys involved more who maybe weren't seen as a leader but had those qualities. So there was one player for sure that I noticed had that reach into different groups. He had a good mindset. He always worked hard. You know, everything that you, that I want out of a leader. Um, he, he was more vocal, which was cool as well, but he led by example first. And I remember I text the captain and I said, Hey, you got to get this kid on board with you and you know he's got to be one of your one of your stakeholders one of those guys that you go to and have an impact on cuz he impacts everybody else and i don't think he was that kind of person when we came in but through our captain he kind of made him more influential in the team by kind of identifying like he was he started by picking this kid to help lead warmups instead of just the captain leading warmups. So he started right away getting this kid in, involved more and, you know, creating those, those other leaders on the team. So I tried to kind of model what I did. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Like something as little as leading warmups, you know, it still brings that sense of respect from the guys because the captain is, you know, trusting him to, to, you know, get a job done and, you know, that, that builds trust. And I think something as little as that 
Um, you know, it can be anything else. Like maybe the captain asks a, an underclassman to help them, you know, move some things. But whatever it may be, you know, I think showing the team that this is somebody I trust, you know, I think can help build relationships because it, it just, again, creates that kind of line of communication from the captain or from the coach to the captain to the team. So that's, that's an interesting point. Yeah. And another thing, I, another player, we were breaking down practices uh, with units or like defensive units, midfield units, attacking units, and then analyzing the game field game or the practice film, sorry, of each unit. So our captain was a defender. So I text him right away and I said, Hey, get so-and-so to set up when the defenders are going to meet. So I was going to meet with the defenders, but I tried to have the captain Everybody would expect the captain, to, the defensive captain, to send up, set up the defender meeting. But I said, no, get this senior to go and set it up. You know, give somebody else some responsibility. But you still have to make sure that it gets done because you're the ultimate leader on the team. You know, so kind of delegating his responsibilities and giving more people responsibility creates those other leaders on your team. Yeah. No, it's very interesting because there's there's such small things, but you know, like O'Connor always loved to say, it's the little things that add up, right? I mean, everyone says it, yeah. but it's true. It's like those those little things just continuously add up, and you know, it creates that team unity. Did you always have like when you saw somebody that needed to get involved? Was it always somebody different? Like you wanted the captain to go and say, like, "Hey, get this guy to do something," or was it? certain people that you felt could relay the captain's communication and like you only wanted the captain to try to get these select few guys those responsibilities no it's it's more situational and even when i was a captain um like if there's a certain there's a certain player who shows that they can do something you got to tuck that away in the in the back of your mind and then use it at the right time to to capitalize on changing. And this has nothing to do with how somebody plays, but, you know, with building that leadership or that team unity, when you can see that somebody who isn't normally a leader or doesn't normally lead something has that ability. If you can highlight it at a certain time, even if it's just once throughout the year, that one time can have a ripple effect through the rest of the year, through the rest of the team, so it's not necessarily guys that you're training for leadership, but pulling out the leadership capabilities of each individual player when you see them. I love it. I love that. So, Rito, yeah. final question here before we get going. We've been going for a little over an hour, just reliving a little bit of the glory days. That's right. What? So, last question. What is maybe one or two or three, if you want, things that you wanted – to leave the program centenary. So like you graduated, what, you know, what, how did you want to leave your legacy? What were some of the things that you wanted us to take from your leadership and the way you played? There's very few things that I'll brag about ever. And you guys can ask Jesse about that. Um, but me starting and playing, Every single game is something that I'm massively proud of. I just wanted to be there all the time. So making sure that I did everything that I could 
to help the team to be on the field. Um, once I got that games played record, you know, it was immediately broken. What, Nick? Glenn, Glenn? You know what's funny, right? too? You know what's funny? I was thinking about it. So, Glenn, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, Glenn no had like a test, a really important exam one, one day. We were actually playing FDU, I think. And he came late. And, you know, all Connor's thing is whatever. He came late. And I think we were winning at that point. So, he just kind of let him warm up for the first half. And then, second half was going well. And he just didn't put Glenn in. So, Glenn had a chance to break that 80 mark, but OC didn't. Uh, he didn't that, crazy? that is crazy. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, I missed. And so I was thinking about it too. I, I missed two games with a red card. <laughs> yeah. And then I hurt my thumb my freshman year too. I would have yep. 80, but I'm yeah. soft. So, yeah. um, you know, so anyway, so yeah, you just always wanted to be there. Lesson one, what, what were the other ones? Um, team first, didn't matter who you were. I tried to treat, treat everybody the same and I think people knew that like I didn't hang out with everybody I'm not gonna pretend like I was everybody's friend but that nobody got different treatment um probably the people I was closer to got worse treatment yeah (laughs) got worse treatment um yeah you would know Um, (laughs) and you know just keeping a standard for yourself and showing that you should always be giving everything that you have and you should be pushing to always do what you can for somebody else. Um, in this case, it's about the team and about sports and hopefully that that would carry over and who knows? Hopefully it did. I think it did a little bit. Yeah. I, we, we can say that for another episode, but you know, it, it did in the beginning and then, that following year, yeah, it didn't go so well. But, um, you know, for whatever reason. But, Rito, this was awesome. Thank you yeah, so much, guys. Fun, Jesse. Um, for those who stayed the whole way, thank you so much for for listening all the way through. Um, you know, if Centenary guys hear this, just, you know, take what Reed had to say and take it and use it. Because if you guys want to get back to where this program has been, you know, you should listen to a guy like Reed. So again, Reed, thank you for coming on. Thanks, Jesse. And, uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, man, for sure. All right.